Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking movies, TV, comics, and more. Join in the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. I'm your host, Ken M. Joining me in studios this week, as always, is the co-host. It's Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more, so join in that conversation on social media. You can find our links on OchoDuroParlayHour.com, and remember use the hashtag ODPH, because we have a lot to discuss. Mm-hmm. A lot of TV to recap this week, a lot of shows returning, uh, a couple making some waves as they hit their anniversary episode, Yeah, some just came back with a new episode, so we are just going to dive right into it. The first one on our list this week is The Return of the Walking Dead. Mm -hmm. Now, this show has been very unique throughout the years. It's been on a roller coaster. It's been on a roller coaster. I'm trying not to use the word polarizing, but that's kind of the way it is. It's very differing with fans, Mm -hmm. shall we say. It came out the gate being based off the Image comic book way back when. And was really following the storyline of just how survivors survive a zombie outbreak in the real world. You know, one of the highest rated shows that was usually on par, if not sometimes beating, uh, Sunday Night Football, which is very hard to do. It's very hard to do, but it was based on the characters-driven stories. I mean, we had Andrew Lincoln playing Rick Grimes, mm-hmm. Norman Reedus emerging out of nowhere playing Daryl Dixon. Because sto- people forget, as popular as he is and as much well-loved as he is, he ain't in the comics. No, he isn't. And Robert Kirkman's story has come to a close in the comics, mm-hmm. albeit very suddenly out of nowhere. But the show is remaining, and obviously, as what goes with TV shows, actors come and go for various reasons. Mm-hmm. Where The Walking Dead was being Shock TV before Shock TV was really taken over, where they kill off major characters yeah. based off the storyline. It's really gone away from that. Yeah, I'd say so. And going into this season, uh, Rick Grimes is no longer there. Andrew Lincoln is filming whatever movie trilogy they're going to be doing with this character. I'm going to be honest. I'll look up and see if I can figure out on his IMDb page what he's doing because, you know, he left the show, obviously, last year, what, at the mid-season point or rough a little bit before? A little before. A little before the mid-season point, and it was announced that they were going to do the Rick Grimes films and this and the other. I have not heard, and I and I follow enough people on social media, Twitter and such, that are, you know, movie people. You know, they, they mm-hmm. talk and they discuss movies and inside stuff. I have not heard hide nor hair of this film. Like, not even the fact that, like, oh, there's a script done. They're looking for a director. Oh, they're in pre-production. They're building sets. They're getting ready. to. Like, I've had to heard nothing about this. No, it's been very quiet. So the shift of characters being the focal point of the show has gone to Reedus as Daryl Dixon, Denai Guerrero being Michonne, Melissa McBride as Carol. So that's been your cornerstones for this show. And with the addition of Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Negan, who has been the villain you love to hate, but when every time he's on the screen, you're just captivated. This is where the story has been different from the comics, but they've been tying in different elements. And right now we are currently in the middle of the Whisperer War, Mm -hmm. which is a group of survivors of the zombie outbreak, but they have a very unique way of interacting and I guess I say the real world yeah. uh, that we're in now yeah. where they're wearing Walker skin to blend in. So you basically don't know if they're real or fake zombies. It's a weird story. It's very interesting. I will say Samantha Morton who plays alpha, the leader of that group has done a fantastic job in the role, mm-hmm. but it's been very different from the comics. Obviously 
Rick Grimes is no longer in the storyline. His son Carl, who played a very big role in that storyline, yeah. is gone. Chandler Riggs is no longer on the show. Just to jump in with uh, Andrew Lincoln, because I did some looking. Uh, according to his IMDb page, the only thing he has listed after The Walking Dead is a f- uh, film titled Penguin Bloom, which is listed as in being in post-production. Uh, it's a film he is starring in, co-starring in with Naomi Watts. Uh, after that, it is untitled The Walking Dead movie, which IMDb lists as in pre-production. So whatever form that means, I don't know. I don't know, and I'll be honest. I really don't have any interest in watching it. I probably will, but I'm not really amped up to go, yeah, let's see where the story goes. I, I'll see it, but like my excitement for it kind of depends on what I see in a trailer. Right. And with this character, I mean, who knows what they're going to do for this. I'm more intrigued that they're going to actually do a movie. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if this is going to get a box office release or is just going to be on AMC. Either way... It's going to be something to check out if you really are a fan of the show or want to see how AMC Films, I guess, is going to do. Either way, we jump right into the story where we are coming back from the midseason break where the group of survivors is led into a trap by Alpha. They are trapped in a cave surrounded by thousands of walkers. Mm Mm-hmm. And where do we go from here, Pad? As we're going to be talking some spoilers on mm-hmm. here, by the way, too. Uh, it's then a what? Probably they spend the next, what would you say, half hour, 40 minutes uh, trying to get out of said situation. Yeah, they basically are trying to escape this cavern they're trapped in. And there's at this point, and I said this on last week's show, there had better be some major ramifications for mm-hmm. this. And in my opinion... There wasn't. No, there. I there. There's no other way to sugarcoat it. There was none. No, you didn't have this. You had Alpha had this weird standoff with Carol, who does this like rage scream mm-hmm. out of nowhere. That they know that they're trapped. They know that they're screwed, as they should be. Yeah. You're you're in a quote unquote death trap. Yeah. Something has to happen here, and this is one thing that I'm, I'm just going to be very critical of The Walking Dead. We got away from those moments where mm-hmm. you were ready to take a character and take him out of the equation, do something real stack quote shape. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're very far removed from the scenes where action is happening. The the main characters are in dire straits. You're on the edge of your seat. The hair's standing up on your neck. Oh my gosh, who's going to make it out. And on the occasions where somebody would die, you'd, you'd kind of sit there and lament and go, Oh no, you'd be sad to see him go. And if they made it out, you'd sit there and kind of breathe a sigh of relief. We're at the point now that I would say, and this is unless they change things that they get into any sort of situation where they're in danger. I'm not fearing for their life because I know how high they're going to make it through it somehow. Yeah, this is one problem that they've had, in my opinion, since they killed off Glenn. Yeah. On the show. Now, if you've been a longtime reader of the comic, you knew exactly mm-hmm. what was coming. That, we'll was, that was your Game of Thrones red wedding moment if you read the books. Exactly. There is nothing shaking about that. You knew it was coming. And since that point, that turned off, in my opinion, a lot of pop culture fans. They were watching it because it was the hot show on TV. Yeah. And fans could not handle how could you kill off uh, Glenn? Well, now, not even just how could you kill them off. How could you be that brutal about it? Well, that's the thing about the comics. The comics are very brutal in your face. Oh, yeah. Like, compare the, the scene to the comics. It, that is a shot for shot what happened in the comics. Yeah. That was literally to the point. You need to establish that if you're talking as a real threat to the show. Mm -hmm. This is why you have these characters you get connected with. And when the moment happened when Glenn got killed off the show, that is, in my opinion, when the show really started going downhill. Not that the show had stepped away from the quality, but when you saw the reaction that that it appears that they were scared to make a big character change like that, 
then you really take away what made The Walking Dead The Walking Dead. You'd, you'd watch every week to see who survived. From a storytelling point, you had to do it because you go back through the lineage of villains and, and folks that Rick's group has faced. And at every turn prior to when Glenn was killed, you know, somebody something would happen. Somebody would get killed, be it a major character or a semi new new character. And what would happen? They'd kill him off in some sort of way. And Rick would rally the troops and eventually beat him, rally the troops and eventually beat him. You know, this was so graphic and so visceral that it broke Rick, that Rick came out of this not going we got to figure out what to do. We got to beat him. We got to destroy him. We got to kill him. He goes, we got to live life as it is. I am not fighting this. Well, that's what they needed to do. And for the evolution of Rick Grimes, who was the thrown in their leader, finally met his match against Negan. And just the back and forth between Andrew Lincoln and Jeffrey Dean Morgan has been phenomenal. But once he takes Stephen Yoon's Glenn out of the uh, equation, that was a whole tipping point that we, mm-hmm. as viewers really saw a change in the show at least i have and i'm going to stand by that that the show really got off track of what made it the walking dead yeah seeing these characters survive these drastic feats and it goes proof point right to this episode because in this you have major characters like daryl and carol i i guess you could say at this point jerry who is one of the members of the kingdom he's one aaron is in there as well mm-hmm. and there's a couple that they've just added to the show that they're all trapped down there, and they spend the entire time trying to escape. Meanwhile, during this entire episode, we have this back and forth where Carol is acting either real, real weird, really weird, or really paranoid, or mm-hmm. both, or however you want to define it. Like she got scratched or bit. Yeah. Which in this zombie apocalypse, hey, that's how you turn. Mm-hmm. So at this stage, you're thinking, okay, maybe something has happened because something major needed to happen. Right. And and the thing with Carol is it wasn't, you know, uh, what what was the one place? Terminus Carol. Yeah. Where she's like guns blazing, ready to take somebody's head off. And it also wasn't, you know, housewife cooking the cookies and and brownies Carol where she's all happy go lucky. Like it was this weird in between where like you didn't quite know what was going on. Yeah, because she feels she's responsible because she's the one chasing after Alpha and let him into this trap. So she has a nervous breakdown, as it appears, but at the same token, she's acting like she got bit, which I was like, okay, great. Let's go this route. Not saying I want to see something happen to the actress who plays her, well, but let's do something with the character. Well, and wasn't there one scene where somebody asked her, hey, is everything okay? They asked her three times in this episode. They, they, asked, her three ta- they asked her three times. If everything at least happened. twice, I'll say. And there was, I think there was at least one instance, if not all the instances, where she says, well, uh, no, never mind. Yeah, maybe they asked her twice back to back, but I know it's at least two. I'll go on a limb and say three. Either way, they keep asking her, like, okay, something's wrong. So they're building up that something's happening. Meanwhile, you're not seeing anything happen, and you're just kind of going, okay, what's going on? And they touch upon other characters in the show a little bit during mm-hmm. this, this time period, but there's nothing really happening for the season premiere coming back. You're just seeing everybody sneak through. You seeing the impossible, let's go duck through the caverns, and Jerry, who is a larger individual of the show, mm-hmm. is somehow stuck in between the small crevice they have to get out. And I don't understand how he survives this because his boot was ripped or bit. Yeah, his his Achilles got bit, or it appeared that it did. It appeared he got bit, but yet somehow reasons nothing happens. Well, in my kind of one gripe with, with the the trek through the cave was and and maybe they've gone through the cave and they explored it but i highly doubt that seeing as how many goddamn walkers are in there 
you know, one of my th- issues with it was, okay, you're going through an unexplored cave and you just miraculously made it through this thing without running into any dead ends or any issues. And okay, I realized I had the, the gap at the end where like, oh, it's really tight. You can't, you can't fit through. But like, it, I think it would have been better for a little dramatic tension to go, they're going down a cave. They're going down a cave. All right, well, we got to pick a way. Which way do we go? Oh, let's go this way. And they go the one way. Oh, crap. It's a dead end. Oh, we got to fight off some markers. We got to get out of here. Yeah. Like, it would have been better. No, they definitely needed to do a better job with it because the entire time I'm just sitting there going, okay, well, they're going to magically escape. They're going to do it. They're going to sneak out of there. And they did so many red herrings, mm-hmm. so to speak, with Carol and Jerry being the two quote unquote major people that were going to be killed off in this that you just didn't really have this payoff. The episode really felt like a part two of a two-part episode. Mm-hmm. And, and even, I'll say, it felt like footage that got cut from the episode for time reasons and left on the cutting room floor, so to speak, because a lot of this episode I didn't feel was necessary, and it didn't feel quite like a like a, re- a return episode. No, it didn't. It, it seemed it, like it, a filler episode. It, it, it a filler episode or a continuation because for whatever reason, and I get why they cut it where they did, you know, mid-season cliffhanger. Oh, what's going to happen? Oh, how are they going to make it out of here? But just for the return, it wasn't as dramatic or as inca- captivating as it should have been. It was lackluster. Yeah, no, it was. Let's not sugarcoat it. It was a lackluster episode mm-hmm. all around that you had the big escape where everybody seems to get out except Magna and Connie. Mm-hmm that they're still apparently trapped in there because, yeah. well, there's somehow dynamite still left in there that uh, Carol decides to try setting off, mm-hmm. and then that kind of goes haywire, but yet it they somehow do have the dynamite go off at a later point in the episode, and that traps everybody inside the cave, which still, I, I argue about this, that if this was supposed to be your major characters that were killed off in this episode, mm-hmm. have they really resonated with fans to have that impact? No. Because I'm sitting there, I'm just going, they're going to get out. Because this is how The Walking Dead has turned in this. Well, I mean, I, that's sorry. A, it's how it's turned out, but at the same token, I, they're trying to play it off that you don't know because Daryl freaks out and he starts trying to dig it out. And I forget who it was. Somebody told him, listen, it's going to take us weeks to clear this out. I, I think it might have been Aaron. Yeah, I think it was Aaron. He said, oh, this is going to take us weeks to clear out, which is the case because hey there aren't any machine or equipment to dig it out like you would normally have right so at this point you're assuming okay they've both been killed off which maybe they have maybe they haven't we don't know well and the other thing to remember too is this is deep into uh whisperer territory so it's not like they can just bring the three the three villages towns whatever Mm -hmm. together and go hey let's get everybody together and dig these people out like you really want to take that many innocent people across the border into whisperer territory just to save two people well, you would think that Daryl would want to do that because his character's oh. always been that noble. But yeah, no. Oh, he's gonna want. He's gonna want to do that. He's gonna want to do that. But at the same token, they're behind enemy lines. Ezekiel's gonna go. You want to do what? Yeah, no. They are so disconnected from everything going on right now because of the whole trap that Carol led him into. Mm-hmm. That I just did not really sit there going. This really impacted. This is really going to happen. I am. I'm just now desensitized to it. That mm-hmm. I'm going. Okay. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, for the entire time they were supposedly in danger. I was not on the edge of my seat. I was not worried for the characters in any way, shape, or form. No. Just because it's been so long since we had a shock death, and I realized for some people Glenn was a shock death, but not for me. I knew it was coming. No. You know, but in terms of a shock death, like, oh, I didn't see that coming. It's been a while. The last one was Carl. Yeah. Chandler Riggs getting killed off the show. Yeah. That was a shock because if you read the books... You knew Carl had a big point to play in the Whisper saga when mm-hmm. that started. I know they tried, you know, shoehorn uh, Henry in there 
They and, killed him off. But they killed him off. But he, he, he the character was forced in there mm-hmm. that there was no payoff. See, that's the one problem that the show, when it tries taking chances like this, it just fails at. And I, and I don't like seeing it being a longtime fan of the show. But at the same token, I understand you want to take some shots, but you got to make sure they hit. Mm-hmm. Was everybody really in love with the character of Henry that when he got killed off, they're going like freaking out about it? No, I don't. You, you no, didn't, I mean, he you didn't di- have the history established. I mean, he died. And I think my reaction was kind of to the tune of, well, well, damn, that sucks. I was like, oh, well, that yeah. sucks because it, it just took away because when you read it in the comics, it's so impactful because of who was killed off. Because it's a totally different group that was. Mm-hmm. But they were long-standing characters that are so impactful when they go. See, that's the one thing when the dead is good, when they do these meaningful deaths, mm-hmm. is these characters are so entrenched that you, you're attached to them, that you have that kind of connection as a fan, that when they go, it's like, whoa, what happened? Yeah. That hasn't happened since Carl. Yeah. Even the Carl thing was drug out a little too long because yeah. I know they want to give a send-off. What and was it? He had the one episode where it was like, oh, what happened? Oh, no, did he get bit? And then they kind of dragged, what was it, like three episodes? Yeah, it was like, a, and I understand because they really want to send the character off in the right way. Sure, but not necessary for that long. I'm sorry. No. Not in my opinion. But that was the last shocking death that you really had on the show. Mm-hmm. Everybody else has done these miracle survivals mm-hmm. that... It just shouldn't happen. And this episode was just proof point of it that you had that cliffhanger that, okay, how are they going to survive this? And they do, albeit, you know, comics and reasons. Right. But still, you don't have any major deaths in this. And, no. and now the, the whole dynamite situation still, like, I understand they're in a cave. There's dynamite there. I get that. I, yeah. I'm not disputing that. But just kind of like the juggling about that and when they, the cave starts coming down and just how messy that was, it was mm-hmm. like, ah, I just didn't really do it. And the only other takeaway from this episode, because I guess we have to address it, mm-hmm. Alpha and Negan. I mean, if you read the comics, you knew it was coming, albeit, well, I won't say spoilers. No, we've already talked spo- Well, no, because what happened. In, in terms of what actually happens, I won't say no, spoilers. Yeah, no, it'll probably be summed up eventually. But mm-hmm. you see that Negan, who is trying to play both sides of the fence, so to speak, or he's just doing his own game is snitching out about Gamma being a spy for you know the Alexandria crew, mm-hmm. and Alpha decides to reward him by sleeping with him. Yeah. And she keeps the mask on, and it's a very uh, cringeworthy, can I say? Yeah, no, it was creepy. It was creepy because, I mean... It wasn't creepy with the shot of them leaning in to kiss each other because if, if you Google search uh, Walking Dead issue 156 and for cover... Uh, that was the cover yeah. of the issue one fifty six. What made it creepy and weird was when whoever was the director of the episode decided to go for a wide shot when they were buck ass naked. Yeah, that was what made it creepy. Like I'm like, all right, I, this is the cover of the issue. I get this, sure. And, and she's still wearing the mask. And she's still wearing the mask. But that what made it creepy and weird, at least for me, was when when they did the wide shot and they're buck ass naked. Yeah, no, that that was the whole point to it. Is like they went for more shock value in that aspect mm-hmm. than other than just keep it the basic in the comic. Because in the comic, it made sense. You didn't yeah. need to go the, you yeah. know, the shock route, and that's the issue I had with it. I was like, really, this definitely did not happen in the comics. Like, yeah, they they have their. Well, it happened, just not that way. Yeah, it happened, but yeah, not that way. But I, but you didn't really know, need to go for the shock value. If you're going to do anything shocking, you should have killed off a major character. Mm-hmm. That's how you do a shock value. To, to have that and just be the whole, like, I keep my mask on or whatever the line was. Yeah. yeah. I was like, really? <sighs> like, why are we just... <sighs> 
dumbing it down, I guess. I don't like. I, I'm just in there the entire episode. I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. Like this is how we're gonna end with the shot? And of course, you know, the people that are not familiar with the comics were all freaking out. Yeah. And to the point where the Walking Dead comic account tweeted out the cover yeah. of 156 and basically said something to the, to the effect of, you haven't been paying attention. Yeah, which, exactly. I mean, that's the easiest way to sum it up. It's like, yeah, it's been going on. Like, we all knew it was coming. It was creepy. It was weird. But I think at the same time, they're trying to differentiate Alpha from Negan, from the governor, from everybody else. Where you look at Negan and the governor, they're crazy. Oh, you don't know what they're going to do. They're going to they're gonna snap at any moment. Mm. Whereas with alpha they're kind of going okay she's legitimately crazy and you legitimately don't know what she's going to do or how she feels right which i get and like i say i've had no issue with morton's portrayal as no none i think that she's done the most with the character that you can really bring out of it Mm -hmm. i just think that that whole scene just had to go for extra quote-unquote shock value when it Mm -hmm. didn't need it it was just like it's pointless okay sure they're naked whatever but the whole like thing about keeping the mask on was like really Mm -hmm. like come on I, ex- I expect better, and I've really felt left da- let down by this episode. For, for no, I was, I was too. I mean, especially with now they were hyping up the Worlds Apart or the new show coming out. Oh, with the kids. Yeah, which, I mean, that one eh. is not moving the needle for me at all. I'm, I guess I'm just wondering how this is all going to play out at the end. Cause well, because the thing of it is, is they're, they're very close to the end of where the comics are. Yeah. There's one more story arc after the Whisper saga. Yeah. No Man's Land. Right. Or Brave New World. Or I'm sorry, Brave New World. Then the comics are technically done. Right. The only thing I can think they might do is they might take a hiatus with the show, let Fear the Walking Dead and the, the new show kind of do their thing while they get working on the film with Andrew Lincoln. And, and while that's going on, the only thing I can think of is maybe during that time, Robert Kirkman will write some stuff for the show. Maybe. I mean, that's the only question you have to go is where do they go from here? We all know Lauren Cohen's coming back as Maggie. Right. That is going to happen at some point. Some point. Other than that, it's like what Michonne's else? leaving. Michonne is leaving. That's all been confirmed. I, in fact, I think that she might be gone after how she left on the midseason where she took off. Uh, with the prisoner that captured on the boat, on right? the boat there, yeah, yeah, that could be. So I think that she's all but gone. So it's like, where do we go from here? And for a show to last as they have for ten years, going on eleven, mm-hmm. you have to wonder how much is left in the tank. And if this is any indication, I, I struggle with it a little bit, just because we get away from what made The Walking Dead The Walking Dead, mm-hmm. and now it just kind of seemed like this episode was scared to take those risks and the ones that they took the risks on Mm -hmm. really was a stretch and really did not do anything. I I guess like from where the show has been to where it is now, it just really felt flat. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. That's my opinion. on it. I don't know anything else with that pad. No, I mean the episode definitely felt flat. It definitely felt like, you know, part two or, or an extended version of walking dead that they just decided to wait a couple months to show did not at all feel like a return, you know, edge of your seat episode. No, definitely not. For The Walking Dead to come back like this, it was a lackluster season premiere Mm -hmm. or mid-season premiere, however you want to define it. To finish out on a high note, they got to definitely turn the ship around. I don't know at this stage if they can. I'll be very honest. I'd like to see them because they have an extremely talented cast, but that writing has got to get better, and especially where they're going to go to finish their version of The Whisperer War, which in the comics, it's very good up how it ends. Are they going to do the same thing on the show? That's the question. Mm Mm-hmm. But we definitely want to know what you think about that, so hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. 
What is your thoughts about the Walking Dead mid-season premiere? Did you love it? Did you hate it? And why? We definitely need to talk about it. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, all. I'm Frank. Join me and my friends as we talk about all things geek. Here at Geek Freaks Podcast, we go over the weekly news of everything in geekdom, from movies to TV, video games, and comic books. We also have a growing YouTube community. Join us as we go over everything in your geek life and share in the love of geekdom. Hi, this is Tyler from Second Suitor, and you're listening to the ODPH Podcast. I want you to get it. I want you to understand. I'm doing the best I can, but not as good as I want to be. I just want to get it. I just want to comprehend that I have to make amends with the mind. Coming back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and we are doing our DC TV recap. Mm-hmm. A lot of good shows this week. Yeah. I will have to say, they, they definitely stepped it up on two shows in particular. One was, you know, pretty stat quo as we're going to jump into it. So we are going to be talking spoilers about the DC TV universe on the CW. So we are giving you fair warning in three, two, one, because we're going to kick it off talking some Flash. Mm-hmm. And obviously, a good friend of the show had returned. Yes. One Gorilla Grodd. Uh-huh. So, Pad, overall thoughts on this episode? Uh, I really enjoyed the episode, and I will say this is the first episode in about two weeks I haven't almost fall to sl- fall, fell asleep through. I agree. I fully agree. This was one of their better shows that they've done. Obviously, kicking off with just a simple plot of the Pied Piper had returned, Hartley Rathaway, mm-hmm. who has been you know, a, a staple of the Flash and obviously first time we're seeing some villains return since post-crisis on infinite earths so it appears that he's been amplified a little bit and barry is getting used to a new team uh, being at the helm at star labs no longer cisco was part of the show yep so it's camille and chester mm-hmm. now chester i actually forgot he was part of the show yeah but a few episodes back when he was the one that created the black hole vortex yep so to see him now suddenly part of the team is a little crazy because Ralph has disappeared from the team, too. So Team Flash has been condensed, which I like. Yeah, and I will say they made some interesting word choices with this episode in regards to Cisco. While, yes, he's not on the show, presumably he's left the show. They kind of left it open-ended and said he's doing off doing things for post-crisis or something to that effect. So they definitely left the door open if he wants to come back. Yeah, they definitely did, and it makes sense because I, I think that he just wants to kind of test out what's going on. I mean, Carlos Velez has been on the show since day one. And obviously, at this stage, of the, you start seeing what can else you do with the character. So I do like seeing that other characters are stepping up and getting involved. And obviously, it's kind of a unique mix throwing Camilla and Chester into Team Flash because we really don't know what they're really all about. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, the only thing you know about Camilla is she's Cisco's boy, or girlfriend, rather. Right. And Chester, was a, we thought was a one and done, but yeah. apparently Crisis has now changed that. Well, and the thing with Camilla, too, is uh, she works on the newspaper with Iris. Right. So they're, you know, they're adding more to her character, which I do like yeah. seeing. And it's something that, as the show is progressing, they definitely need to do. So that being said, I'm all in about that. And the you know slight changes they've done, because like we said, Ralph is now chasing Sue, which, I mean, that makes sense if you know the comics, a little bit how they're doing the story of Elongated Man and... and will be his future wife and caitlin is just disappeared this episode too mm-hmm. that she's actually checking up on blood work so this is really flash centric and i think this is why it works 
because the show is condensed down to Flash and a couple other side characters. And during this time, we're seeing that Barry is trying to retract what happened with Crisis because yeah. all of a sudden, Pied yeah. Piper is suddenly in possession of more powers. He's suddenly in possession of more powers, and while he goes chasing him through the city, uh, well, first he confronts Pied Piper, and Pied Piper goes, you know, basically it costs him for what he did, what Flash did to him, and of course, Barry doesn't know what he did to him, and he goes, what did I do to you? And, and the team at the Star Labs goes, wow, that's cold even for you. And he goes chasing off through him at one point, and he runs, and, and he almost uh, gets hit by a train. And, mm-hmm. and he, you know, he lands, stops in front of a train track and he goes, how long has this train been here? And they're like, since forever. Yeah. So, which I do like the crisis is still being effective here mm-hmm. because the one thing that I was fearing, especially knowing the Flash's track record, well, more importantly, the CW's track record with DC, mm-hmm. they have these big events yeah, and they're like one and done. Yeah. Like there's no ramifications. Crisis, you can't do that. Crisis, you need to be more involved with. Yeah, and it was great to see Flash gets back to the Star Labs and he's tinkering on something and he, he asks Gideon, he goes, you know, oh, hey, how many uh, changes from the crisis are there? On Earth, and, and Gideon goes, calculating, 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 and they go. he goes talking with the other two you know, team members there, and finally Gideon chimes in, there are now three, three plus million you know, changes to Earth uh, from, uh, from after the crisis. Would you like to start me, would you like me to start in order from like least consequential to most consequential? Yeah, no, it's a nice touch that crisis has really made this impact on the show. And I do like to see more and more of this going on with The Flash this season, mm-hmm. if not carrying it in next season. But as it turns out that Flash, during all this searching, he does wind up in a place that he was not expecting. He winds up in Gorilla Grodd's mind, mm-hmm. which is a wild scenario because yeah. all of a sudden you're like, wait, what's he doing? And he winds up just out of nowhere just appearing inside this cage mm-hmm. and he is trying to figure out what's going on and then you hear Grodd's voice talking to him well, through Wells and, right. and Caitlin. Well, and you can tell before the, you even find it because it's a couple scenes before yeah. he, you find out what's going on. You can definitely tell something's up because there's this like light bluish hue to this screen. You're like, mm-hmm. all right, he's not in the proper Star Labs. Something's going on here. Then you get Caitlin showing up and talking to him like he's a child. You're like, all right, something's really going on. And then finally he looks in the, you know, they say something about, a, you know, ape or gorilla or something. And he finally looks in the in the water dish and sees Gorilla Grodd's face staring back at him. And he's like, oh, my God. Yeah. So this is a very cool moment that Flash is going, okay, I know who he is. I know where I am. And Grodd is trying to talk to him about the current state where he is post-crisis. Mm-hmm. Which, according to him, Crisis did not affect him. He's aware. He's aware, and he's very up-to-date about what's going on. However, he is in a coma. Let's say, astoundingly, he's not pissed off. No, he's not. Like, he understands he's what... He's very zen. He, yeah, he's very, very zen and very peaceful, which is very, very yeah. suspect. Let's say, and if you're familiar at all with the character, it's very uncomfortable. Oh, he's one of the best Flash villains. He's up there with Captain Cold with me. Oh, yeah. Like, he is so good. So to see that God or their Grodd is rather explaining the scenario that he is trapped inside his mind mm-hmm. and he needs Flash's help to get out of his mind. And Flash doesn't trust him any further than he can throw them. No, because Grodd is trying to make peace with him and say, here, I'm a changed man, let's him out of the cage. And what does Flash do? He hits him with the Speed Force Superman yeah, punch. Yeah. Roman Reigns would be proud from the WWE. Mm-hmm. And they're now trying to figure out, okay, where do I go from here? And as Barry is finding out what is going on, he sees 
that he is going to have to work with Grodd. Mm -hmm. That when he tries going to where the portal is to get out, because Grodd is telling him, yeah, you can escape, but there is somebody there waiting for you. Mm -hmm. And it's a copy of Solovar, who was Grodd's right-hand Gorilla? Uh, yeah, I'd say if he looks familiar. I say that. <laughs> say if he looks familiar, uh, he was, I, I don't remember what episode, but I know he was portrayed in a couple episodes of Justice League, and I believe Justice League Unlimited, the animated series. Yeah, so if you're a comic fan, you know who he is. I mean, yep. he, and in fact, if I'm not mistaken, he did appear the last time we saw Grodd on the show. Could be. So it's it's been a while, but I mean, Grodd, yeah. Grodd is just so good to see come back. I know the CGI, that that's why we don't see him a lot. Yeah, it's a little expensive. It is a little expensive, but when we get him, we get him, and it's worthwhile. I'll to say, see I was thinking about it while the episode was going on. It'd be cool to have an episode where, you know, Grodd and Gorilla City, like, try and take over the entire planet, or at least, like, the East Coast. And it'd be awesome to see, but I'm like, ah, that'd be a little expensive than probably outside of the CW budget. Exactly. I mean, to have Grodd on for multiple episodes, it would be tough with the CW. I'll say it's kind of why uh, back in the early Harry Potter films, you had uh, Dobby the House Elf was in one movie. And while he's in later books, he didn't really feature in later movies because if I remember the figure right uh, for the second film, it was like $120,000 a second to have him on screen. Mm -hmm. I can imagine it's more akin to the same thing with Grodd. It's not cheap. It's something like that. So it is a very unique scenario that yeah. they have with him. So when they use him, they want to make sure they do it right. And they they have to this point. And they have. They've, they've been spot on with Grodd. I don't think we've had a bad Grodd no. episode. Maybe the, le maybe, maybe the Legends of Tomorrow one was yeah. kind of a little, yeah. little. But it's Legends, and I mean, Legends is a different vibe. There, so. there have been some episodes that, that might have been a little lackluster, a little, eh, not, you know, not the greatest, but the, I can't think of a Grodd episode where I went, oh, I wish I got my hour back. No, absolutely not. So this episode, though, definitely lived right up to it. And obviously, dealing with the Flash, and Flash is probably the easiest show to go reasons because mm -hmm. a lot of times they go into really crazy directions. Because when one of your superpowers is the ability to travel through time and screw up the timeline multiple times over, you can say reasons. Yeah, you can say reasons. That justifies a lot. So when they decide that Barry needs to team up with Grodd, when he finally accepts this, he decides to merge with him in his own yeah. mind, which is a cool scenario, but weird at the same point. I got to say, I loved when they finally merged together and their brainwaves were on the same length that you did see the Flash's logo on Gorilla Grodd's chest. Yeah, that it was like a burn mark, but it was really cool. That needs to be an action figure. Yeah, that looked yeah. that was a very dope scene. So then you see Solovar and Grodd fighting at the spot where I'm sorry. I laughed out loud and marked at the same time when you saw Flash Grodd running right at Solovar. I can imagine that being a Funko Pop at some point down the line. Oh, my God. That was just out of control. Like, like I've, I got the Flash Funko Pop for the series where it's him running, and it's got, like, the electric trail behind him. I can imagine them doing something similar but just making it Grodd. Right. Either way, I'll, I'll take it. I don't need that much for it, but I was sold on that. And just to see that fight scene go down. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile... Caitlin returns and is trying to work with Chester, who's really doubting his own abilities. I mean, this is all like it almost kind of seemed like Washer and Repeat for Cisco's yeah, role, right? And I mean, at the beginning, conveniently, they had a, a device on hand to try and help Barry in, in case blood work made a return and tried to take over his mind again. So they just happened to have a device that was ready to help Barry if his mind was trapped someplace. I leave it under comics and reasons. Yeah, which, I mean, I get the logic, I get the reasoning, but yeah, damn it if that ain't convenient. Well, it, it, you know, but they're at Star Labs. So yeah. St Star Labs has got to have, like, a room that's just Star, full of, like, Star randomness. Labs has got, like, 26 different plans for every scenario. Yeah, so they do this cool scene where they have, you know, they have to separate them exactly the same time, otherwise everybody's trapped in their own bodies, or they're trapped in one body. Doesn't their mind get disintegrated or yeah, something? Yeah, it's something really weird scenario. So after they defeat Solovar, 
it happens split second. Everybody's sent back. You see Grodd wake up in his own body. Mm-hmm. Now, we're not exactly sure where he is. Yeah. I'm okay with this because he just wants to say he wanted to go back to you know his home planet there or his own city there, mm-hmm. uh, Grodd City. Gorilla City. Gorilla City, you know, whatever timeline that was. So I don't know if they're going to establish that. I hope they do in this uh, Earth Prime. But Well, they've said that Gorilla City is on their Earth. In, in past you know episodes, it wasn't. It was on another Earth. It was someplace else. But now with the, that Gorilla City is on their Earth, so someplace on the planet, they're all hiding. Which I'm okay with. Like It's just one point of crisis or post-crisis. Is it a little confusing where everybody is and where everybody isn't? Cause For a little bit. I think we'll get used to it and we'll kind of pick up and on things as yeah, time goes. Because I, yeah, I did forget about that, that yeah, Gorilla City is yeah. there. You know, I always call it just Grodd City. I, I, I can't remember when. The, I know they said it this episode, but they've established it before. And I can't remember if it was like the end of the last episode of Crisis or like the first Flash episode back. It was it was relatively quickly that they established it. Yeah, that. it was a quick one-liner. So I want to say it was during Crisis. But there's so much awesomeness going on in Crisis. Mm-hmm. I can't keep track. But this is where the show had its great moments. The other side plots, I mean, the Iris storyline is just not doing anything. No. I'm just very bored with it because the woman she's trapped in the mirror dimension. I'll say it, I appreciated the plot twist with that. Oh, it was a very cool plot twist. Like, Ooh, but, okay. they, but they telegraphed it yeah. too much. That's the only thing I don't like about it. Yeah. You see it coming that the woman she's trapped in there with is faking the entire time that she's trapped there. That Ava is sitting there, you know, oh, we can't escape. Look at my arms. They're burned. Ah. And then, you know, as soon as Iris leaves the room that she fakes it and contacts the fake Iris that's walking around. Uh, Central City, mm-hmm. and is basically like, you know, you don't need to be... Because somehow they're connected, because yeah. the they, she got burned, so did fake Iris. Yep. We're still trying to find out how that all works out, but it could go a lot of different ways. I'm almost wondering if this has to tie in the Mirror Master at some point. Could be. I know we haven't seen him come back yet. It would no. be a, a hell of a plot twist, I yeah. would say that, to tie into one of the old school Flash Rogues, but we really don't know what's going on there. It was kind of just, you know, we're complaining, we're stuck here... Nothing mm-hmm. really moving the needle there. Yeah. The only other thing of noteworthy from this episode is the saga of Harrison Wells. Mm-hmm. This was great. Yeah, that we see Nash Wells. I need to keep my my Wells. We'll say we got we got to keep him straight here. Yeah, that he is searching for uh, a counterpart from Allegra, uh, who is also part of the whole Central City Gazette or the, the no, it's the paper that um, yeah, I, I just runs that. Somehow there's a connection there with Nash, so they're trying to really figure out what's going on with Nash because Nash is seeing versions of himself pop up. Yeah, he was talking, he was having a discussion, talking, and all of a sudden, who do we see in the background? Sherlock Wells. Yes. And I freaked the fuck out. I was like, oh, shit. Yes. So I'm almost wondering now if he's having all those Wells combined in him and he's having split personality. Could be, because especially what we see at the end. Yes, because as the episode closes, we see Sherlock Wells morph into reverse Flash and Uh just say... He is coming. Uh huh. Fade to black. Oh boy. Overall, love the episode. Well, great episode. Great episode. It was, it was a nice bounce back for the Flash after a couple lackluster ones. So this one, I was really sold on. Where they go with Grodd and Gorilla City, I'm going to be down for because uh, I, I figure how they left it. I mean, he's open ended, so obviously we'll see him sooner than later. I don't know the rest of the season if we will mm-hmm. or not because they're going to be taking two weeks off for the CW after this, and we see Wally West is going to be returning to the Flash on March 10th. Right. I, th- I think the w- this is the last we've seen of Gorilla Grodd for the season, and my reasoning for that I'll get to once we're done talking about Legends. Okay, fair enough. So let's jump right into Legends. 
Legends was Legends. Yeah. Uh, Good episode. Yeah, Genghis Khan in modern day Japan. Mm-hmm. And you see a fight scene straight out of John Woo. Yeah, I would say Genghis Khan teaming with what was it, the Triad? Yeah, never a good idea, never a good thing. No, it never is. But it was it was literally straight out of a John Woo movie, in, in my opinion. For as big as the Roman Empire was, and and you know, remember your your history classes about how big it was. Genghis Khan's empire was bigger. Yes, you know, so give him you know some folks who don't care and aren't afraid to kill average people in this day and age. It, it'll be bigger. Yeah, so it was really kind of focusing on the characters that really haven't got a lot of time. I mean, the whole mm-hmm. saga of Charlie on the show. Yeah, you know, Maisie Richardson Sellers has done a great job with the role since she's transitioned from yeah. Dixon to this yeah. character. But it, it kind of feels like they're forcing her story in there a little bit. I mean, the the plot twist that she's one of the three fates from Greek mythology, you know, was interesting, and I didn't see that coming. No, it definitely well, wasn't. It was, it was a cool twist. No, it was a cool twist, which I, which I am okay with now. Like, yeah. I, I'm like, okay, I can kind of get down with this a little mo- bit more. And obviously, like with her mysterious romance with Ben there, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, that was kind of like, okay, well, it's it'll fill up for the plot yeah. to make sense. And obviously dealing with the last day of John Constantine as he his soul was sold and sped yeah. up that his lung He's cancer. He's got stage four lung cancer, and he goes, well, I'm going to die anyway, and lights up another cigarette. Right. I mean, obviously, Matt Ryan has nailed John Constantine to, to perfection. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, he needs his own spinoff he, show at he, I would say he's, uh, uh, what the heck's the guy's name? J. Jonah Jameson. Oh, J.K. Simmons? Thank you. He's J.K. Simmons' level of, like, nailing Constantine. Oh, yeah. No, it's a perfect portrayal. Yeah. To say that, to say the least, because the one thing with Constantine, he's the ultimate con man. He's always making deals and he's always trying to do good for the most part. Yeah, when it benefits him. When it benefits him. And this was no exception. I mean, obviously, he'll do the right thing if there's something in it for him. Right. To see the interaction with him and Brandon Roth. Ray that, Palmer, was, that was good. That's always a good time. I mean, because you have <laughs> the most noble Boy Scout mm-hmm. as he's morphed into since his debut. The from most Arrow. happy-go-lucky guy. Yeah. To John Constantine, who is probably the you, most. You got Constantine, who's who's in the throngs of stage four lung cancer, like gun drop it at the any moment's notice oh we got to go back to my house and i gotta do some stuff all right i'll go with you yeah which gary the sidekick there is just there for comic relief oh gary was good yeah he's good i mean he's always just the character that you you root for and you laugh at because he just yeah it's it's innocence he's the fan of the show i mean that's the thing about it i mean it's right there on the portrayal and we didn't have um sarah lance on the show but katie lots actually directed this episode really i did not know that yes this was her episode yeah, it was a very it was a very fun episode. Yeah. I mean, the thing about Legends is they're slowly now getting into the plot mm-hmm. and obviously dealing with the deals that Constantine is making with Astra and just trying to save Astra's mother now. I mean, this ties into Constantine's character. Mm-hmm. He is trying to flip and save anything he can to save himself. Mm-hmm. And can he bring Astra's mother back? I don't think so. It's probably not going to happen. But I'm not one to doubt Constantine, though. He, you know, you might think at the outset he won't be able to, but he'll find a way. Well, he might find a way, but he's going to bury somebody else on the way, too. So, yeah, soul for a soul. Yeah, so there'll be some kind of hijinks going on within, obviously, with all the souls leaving hell. And the legends are now responsible for going to get him. This is where it's going to kind of tie into the direction for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm not mistaken, they got about eight more episodes, mm-hmm. and then they're at their season finale. So they really got to start picking up, okay, what's going to go on? Unless they're going to start dipping into, we're just going to tie everything right at the end. Because mm-hmm. they can only do something more like, okay, how many people can escape? How many people can we go after? Right. 
I mean, it works because it's Legends, and like I say, I've said it all the time on the show, Legends is American Doctor Who. Oh, yeah. It works in a sense. It's quirky humor. It's it's action. Definitely was good. And like I said, this one just reminded me of a John Woo film. Yeah, for just very for much. For some reason, just the, like the long just drawn a, out. Just instead of like riding on motorcycles, they were riding segways. Yeah, riding segways, long drawn out uh, gun scenes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, w- it was good for Legends. Like, yeah. it, it made sense. Well, and, and there's that tease for next week. Oh, break it down, Pat. Yeah, so the tease for next week is they got to deal with Damien Dark again. Yeah. Good Lord. Yeah, that's always a fun time when that happens. Neil McDonough coming back on the show. Which I mean, leads to my point with why I think Gorilla Grodd is done for the rest of uh, Flash. I think they're going to set up some form of uh, League of Doom. Again? Again, better this time, I would say. Um, because you got to think about it. Reverse Flash is coming back. Okay. Damien Dark, at this point, is coming back in some capacity. How, we don't know. We'll see next week. Um, but Damien Dark is coming back. You have Lex Luthor on Supergirl, who is in the same universe now. You have uh, Batwoman going on. And, you know, at some point, aren't they doing uh, Black Mask? Or, or no, who, Hush. Hush. Hush is coming at some point on Batwoman this season. Now, I'm not saying they'll set it up for this season, but it may be some point next season or down the road at some point. They're definitely introducing enough characters that it might not be the Legion of Doom that you're familiar with, but it could be their own Legion of Doom. It definitely could. I mean, I would not object to it by any means. So you could have a Legion of Doom of like Hush, Lex Luthor, Gorilla Grodd, Reverse Flash, you know, some others. The only way I I would dispute this is if they were going to involve that many characters. We already saw the establishment of the Super Friends, Mm -hmm. a.k.a. the Justice League. Sure. They would have to tie in everybody for that. Sure. I don't necessarily know if they would do it to finish this season off. I wouldn't doubt it for being the mid-season finale next year. Oh, that's what I'm talking. I'm not talking. Oh, okay, okay. I'm not talking this season. I'm talking like either next season or down the road at some point. Oh yeah, I think next season you will. I think next season because as far as we know, cuz you don't you don't introduce or bring in this many villains to the same universe without something going on. Oh, I agree with you. And I think that that would be the smart play to do. I just wonder if they're going to tie it in with the other shows and if they're going to be brought back or not for mm-hmm. not next season but the following year. Sure, sure. Because all we know is all the shows have been renewed. Plus, you're going to have Supergirl or no Stargirl being intertwined on the CW. Well, well it's a, it's a, it's own universe. It's a separate it's a separate universe. But and we also got to remember Superman show is starting next year. Right, and we still have no word on uh, Green Arrow and the Canaries. Mm-hmm. That that has not been picked up. Last I heard, correct. It's still in discussion. So wait and see on that. So I think once they get the groundwork for that laid out, I think you are going to see that. I think for the rest of this season, though, I mean, you bring up a good point, though, Pat. I think you are going to see it at some point. I just think for the rest of this season, yeah, maybe not. But then, because I, I really, I really think you don't bring in or introduce or reintroduce this many heavy hitters from the rogues galleries mm-hmm. without something coming from it. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, I definitely want to see that too, and I think they have to, especially with how they left off mm-hmm. uh, crisis with the forming of the Justice League. Oh, and you and you can't. You can't. You gotta wonder and, and know that the the underworld or the the villains know about that, and they're like, all right, listen, if they're teaming up, we gotta do something. Oh yeah, which I mean, to see what villains they actually bring aboard for that, mm-hmm. I, it could be some fun. It could be some real fun. I hope. I'd love to see him borrow from the Scott Snyder's current run, but I don't know if that's gonna happen. Either way, I'm all on board with that. And Legends, like I said, was solid as ever. Flash had a great episode, but in my opinion. The best show on CW this week from the DC Universe was that of Supergirl. Okay. And it was Supergirl's 100th episode. Wow. 
So this one was a nice trip through the years. Thomas Lennon was on the show playing Mr. Mistlepick. Okay. Longtime Superman villain. Yeah. Uh, I know there's been an interpretation of him on the Supergirl previously, but Tom Lennon as Mistlepick was spot on. It was so damn good. Mm. And it was basically the underlying feeling of Kara trying to redeem her friendship with Lena Luthor because, obviously, uh, Melissa Benoist's character keeping that secret as long as she has from Lena played by Katie McGrath, has definitely made an impact on Lena's character that mm-hmm. she's now siding with Lex Luthor, played by the one and only John Cryer, who is John Cryer, and he's absolutely killing this role. And this was just a nice, almost like a, a Groundhog Day type deal where mm-hmm. Mitchell Plague was saying, you know, hey, I know we've had our problems in the past, but let me see if I can you know flip this around. I'll take you back in time where you can fix this. And it's showing a lot of different time periods where Kara is trying to go back and say, when is the right time to tell Lena the truth. Mm. And this ties back into when you've seen the characters of Rain and Agent Liberty and Monell is back at one point and just keeps deep diving back in. It's a fun trip if you've been watching the show since day one. Mm-hmm. They don't tie into too much from the C or the CBS season. And I'm glad because that was yeah. way too sugary for me. I'm just sorry. It was just too poppy. I, 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 I hated season one. But to see the growth of the show being on the CW it's a nice throwback for all they've really gone through with the character. And now with the addition of Lex Luthor on the show and how that's playing in the fact of Lena slowly turning to the dark side, so to speak, it was a nice little throwback to what you really love about the show. Mm-hmm. And obviously the show was deep diving into a lot of different timelines, mixing it up back and forth really nice till ultimately it leaves with Kara telling Lena, listen, it happened. We can still work, but if you start you know, teaming with Lex, we're going to have a problem. Ah, uh, okay. Which I think is what you need to do. I Because I, it's a very interesting point when they showed out the different timelines when <laughs> Lena was accepting it at one point and then when, mm-hmm. one point she wouldn't. And just the different, you know, areas where they kind of dip into that. I thought it was a really cool episode. If you haven't seen it, I do recommend it. I think it was very, okay. very well done. And if you haven't seen a lot of Supergirl this season, they've definitely been kind of finding their own groove a little bit, which I've been liking to see. Obviously, tying in with the Leviathan storyline, and yeah. depending, depending on how you feel about that, that's been something that's been kind of polarizing with some fans. I think the the show has been really picking up some steam since post crisis. I really have. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Toy Man edition and, and seeing Wind come back too, right? And that storyline that was actually a pretty cool, you know, back and forth season or a couple episodes for this season. It's been probably spot on since they've come back from crisis, and I think crisis has benefited them best out of any show mm, yeah i think legends has kind of slept on it a little bit and i think flash has been flash is now showing signs of it but the whole black hole secret organization just really i gotta see a big payoff here and until i do i'm not really buying into it mm. batwoman i gotta catch up on i gotta admit i'll say legends it's kind of going through the motions but i feel like it's getting its chess pieces set up before the game starts mm-hmm. and i'm okay with that because the thing we got to remember is while a lot of these shows are midway through their season, Legends is just starting up. Yeah, which once they get going and they really have a good payoff, I mean, Legends is always solid on their writing. Yeah. So I'm trusting where they're going, and they do do Villains of the Week very good. Yeah. But it's always that quirky humor. Like I say, it's, it's so much American Doctor Who. It reminds me of some of the early seasons of Smallville where, you know, wasn't really anything major going on. It was just kind of, all right, who's the big bad this week? Yeah. But overall, like I said, DC TV on the CW had a strong, strong week. I definitely recommend checking out Supergirl 100, though, and definitely let me know what you think. 
And what was your favorite show of the week? That's what we want to talk about here on the show. What stood out? Was Flash great? Was it not? How was Legends? What about Black Lightning and Batwoman? We haven't seen those yet. I got to catch up on those shows. So hit us up on our social media accounts and remember to use the hashtag ODPH. We got to have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. This is Nerd Bomber here, one of the co-hosts of the Online Warriors podcast. Our weekly podcast started as a way for three friends to keep in touch and discuss their passion for movies, gaming, technology, and entertainment. And since then, we've grown into a fantastic online community. Every Wednesday, we release a new episode discussing the latest nerdy news. And then we go hands-on with our weekly adventures and a fun trivia show. Sound interesting? Check us out on every podcast platform, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts, or hit us up at OnlineWarriorsPodcast.com. This is Rich, the host of the Three Fat Nerds Podcast and co-host of the Horror Zone 607 Podcast. And you are listening to our hashtag 607 Podcast Brothers, the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Now kick it back over to Ken Moneybags and the crew. Coming back for the third segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and there was some big DC Comics news this past weekend. Oh, oh yes, this definitely got my attention. I say was, I hadn't heard anything about it. The internet's been un, been uh, surprisingly quiet about it. Nobody said a word. Let me know how that feels because my internet blew up about oh. this. Hollywood Reporter broke the story that Dan Didito. Mm-hmm. I hope I pronounced it right. I always kind of mess that up when I'm talking. Uh, the longtime co-publisher of DC Comics was out of the company effective immediately Uh so this definitely had a lot of ramifications going on a lot of crazy speculation going on of what the future holds for dc comics because didio had been the longtime face of the company Uh obviously with him and jim lee we would see them at new york comic-con all the time for the various dc comics panels always a fun time going to them i mean didio has always had that energy about him mm-hmm. and has overseen a lot of projects at DC. Most notably, the one that gets the most attention per se, I would say, is he is the architect of the New 52. Right. When DC Comics was restarting their universe with a complete fresh take on all of their heroes per se. Mm-hmm. I will say there are some exceptions. Batman was one. Green Lantern was sure. another. But for the most part, it was a fresh take and inviting new readers to come in a la Marvel Universe's The Ultimate Universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, various uh, success and various failure with it, uh, depending on who you talk to about the new 52. I was not a huge fan of it. Um, I do. I will say this, though. It brought me Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo on Batman, so they will always have a place in my heart about that because that's my favorite Batman run of all time. But for the most part, really you got a mixed reaction from fans pat mm-hmm. what, what did you think of the new 52 uh eh. at the time it was exciting it was kind of cool but looking back on it it was god awful yeah it it definitely has that reaction from many people when you bring it up and you start talking comic books with mm-hmm. because when the new 52 came out it definitely wiped away a lot mm-hmm. of the previous history from dc comics which i mean if you look at it now how long dc has been out for mm-hmm. and we're talking we're now in the age where we have action comics over a thousand issues mm-hmm. detective comics over a thousand issues we're having 80th celebrations mm-hmm. for various heroes yeah to see the history of DC get intertwined and rebooted 
couple that, times. You're going to have that kind of reaction from fans, and I know that. Well, and especially oh. with the with the way the new Fifty Two was, where you you know outside the kind of core essentials where you know Batman's family was murdered and Green Lantern's history in some of the core aspects of their origin stories. Anything else you kind of knew or had known or it really happened to them? Eh, yeah, that didn't happen. No, it didn't. And like I say, it started out being a fresh take. And once it started progressing, it definitely had a different vibe to it. And they've just restarted with DC Universe Rebirth, which retconned a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And now they've explained why the New 52 happened in comics with the whole Doomsday Clock storyline. And they've been teasing that there was going to be a 5G store crossover coming in the near future, which we're kind of hearing little bits and pieces about. Which is confusing as all hell because obviously with cell phones and stuff like that, 5G is coming and all that. So anytime I see like 5G anything on in regards to DC or in Warner or anything, I'm like because I know Warner and AT&T are like the same company now. I'm like, wait, are they talking about the mobile thing or like something else entirely different? Yeah, it's a very... Need a better name. It was a kind of a polarizing idea that, hey, we're going to do another crossover. Which is a bad idea. Especially after the timeline, because the one thing I, I will harp about DC is every time they've tried to quote unquote fix their timeline... It never comes out good. And and it, for, for folks like me who, you know, I read a comic every now and then I dip in and I dip out. I'm not reading week to week. It's very hard for me to want to get invested into these comics. If, you know, renumbers and restarting the numbers is one thing that I that I can understand mm-hmm. and that I get that happens. But to take, you know, why should I invest my money at, you know, whatever it is a week or a month? You know, for a Superman comic, for a Batman comic, why should I invest my money in that on a month-to-month basis to pick up the issues? Because I'm a diehard Superman guy. I love Superman. I, you know, everything about him. Why should I get invested in anything that's going on right now or or any of the stories going on right now if it's just going to get retconned in a few years? It's a tough question to ask. It really is because when they do big reboots like this, and we're not talking team reboots or, you know, writing and artist reboots. We're talking, we're going to just completely wipe away history of timelines for years. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it works. I think when they did the crisis on Infinite Earths and John Byrne took over Superman and redefined his abilities and... I, I don't want to say normalized them because I don't. No, think he no right he word. did no he did because the the big issue with Superman before Crisis was he'd get put into situations and come up with a power on the fly to beat that situation. Yeah, it, it, but I don't want to say normalized like that's the thing. But it 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 definitely simplified him. I yeah, that's that's the better word I'm looking for. Yeah. So in certain cases it works, but then when you go from Crisis on Infinite Earths to Zero Hour to mm-hmm. you know you start dealing with the Crisis crossovers after, and depending on how you feel about them you really are just kind of messing with the timeline and really for the fans that have grown up reading these heroes, mm-hmm. it, it will have the effect on the fandom. Like, are they really going to be involved with it? And I know that with Didio's takes on characters such as Wally West and Dick sure. Grayson, which has long been rumored that he is not the biggest fan of those uh, characters. Uh, we've wait, had some... wait, who's Dick Grayson? You mean Rick Grayson? Oh, you stop that right now. Had to I do it. I get into that. But with some of the, the ways that he's overseen those characters, I know the fandom is not really popular about his takes on those. But either way you want to break it down it is a very shifting change of the guard at DC for how long he's been there. I mean, mm-hmm. since 2010, he's been involved. And, yeah. And just to see where, he, where he's gone and to step into the role where he's always been a part of the editorial department since 2010. And he's really kind of drawn that in and, you know, really put his stamp on it and been the face of DC. 
to see how this reacted, I mean, this was stunning. This came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of us saw this coming. No. I know that there's been a lot of online chatter of, okay, what's the future of DC Comics hold? They're going to be fine. I have to say yes, too. I because, mean, because here's the thing. DC Comics is owned through a long list by Warner Brothers AT&T. They make like something like $5 billion a year. I know it's a little less than what they normally do just because they took a hit because they're investing in the middle of investing a lot of money into HBO Max. Mm-hmm. But they, they, they uh, make about $5 billion a year on DC Comics merchandise and licensing. You know, it costs them maybe about $10 million, maybe less to operate the darn thing. And, you know, last I uh, was doing some research and looking online in, in terms of sales last year, they dominated trade paperback sales. Mm-hmm. Like they, like out of the top 10 trade paperbacks, they had maybe five or six of them, yeah. you know? So you can't tell me that a, a company, a comp overall company that makes $5 billion a year on not just the comics, but like the characters. So the hats, the shirts, the socks, the shoes, the, Everything, the toys, the the cards, the anything that's DC related that, oh, we're having a little hit. So we're going to stop publishing comics. Stop it. Yeah, I just can't see that happening. I mean, for DC and all all the properties they've been doing and they've been having success outside of the big three. To see that everybody's putting the panic in that DC Comics is going to fold. And be canceled, and I'm sure with any business they do restructuring. So say, do they maybe you know peel back on the number of issues they're putting sure. out monthly? Maybe, sure, I can see that. I can see that, but for a full shutdown, as a lot of no. rumors have been getting hit, because over the weekend, like I said, we have been getting hit with a lot of people asking questions, and I've been trying to get as much information about this as I can from you know Brian from Cheers to Comics and Justin from Sound Go Round, and you know, all our various podcasting friends about like what is going on with this and what's the take. Because I don't see the sky is falling that much. I think if they're going to be doing some retooling for the comic company, sure. Which happens. I mean, it yeah, happens in everyday business. It happens every time. Yeah. And I mean, you go, you'll go through this where they'll do some restructuring of some sort. For Didio to be released like this was very stunning for how long he's been there. And, oh, like yeah. Long standing yeah. face. Yeah. Because, like Pat and I have said, we've gone down to New York Comic Con. We've seen him at panels all the time. And mm-hmm. he just he's always been a passionate fan and just, you know, waving the DC flag. So now with him gone, and I mean, good luck with your future endeavors, whatever you're going to wind up doing. I I don't I haven't heard where his next plans is going to be, but I, I uh, he won't be uh, out of work for long. I'll say that. No, I, I definitely don't think so. Jim Lee is going to be taken over as the sole publisher, and Jim has been with DC for a long time now. Oh, yeah, he's been CCO since 2018. So I I fear I don't fear the ship is going to go off the tracks. I, uh-huh. I don't. I think the this will be a restructuring of some sort, maybe a scaling back of some books, but. For what DC is doing and the success of the Black Label and the properties they have there, I I just don't see it folding up. And I know there's been that crazy-ass rumor that Marvel is going to buy them. Jesus Christ, no. Just stop. Yeah. No. Pump the brakes. Hi, have you ever... Do a little bit of research. You know, Google search Monopoly. And yeah. I'm not talking the board game. Yeah. That, that would... There, there's no way... Because for that to happen, it would have to go down much the same way the Disney purchase of Fox went down, where they would probably have to get approval in every country that they're going to put out comics. And there's no way that, you know, the the, the powers that be in every country on the planet are going to let the two biggest comic book companies merge into one company. That's hello, Monopoly. I just don't see it happening for a couple different reasons. Pad hit the nail right on the head. I just don't see that the monopoly would happen there. No. Secondly, 
with the movie rights being tied to Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. there is no way that they would say, "Okay, you can take them, Disney." Well, so you want them? You you thought things were already bonkers and more convoluted with how it was, say, two thousand eight. Where, wait, who's got the rights to this? These days, it's for Marvel, it's relatively simple outside of Sony and then Universal, which I, even Universal's... Even Universal's are it's, it's like, a little It's a little questionable at this point because nobody's really sure. But it's, it's a lot more clear-cut than it was, you know, 12 years ago. You would put that right back where things were. Like, wait, what can they do? Who do they have? How does this work? Yeah, I just, I can't see them saying, okay, we'll, we'll make this happen. There is only one wild shot idea that this would work. And that is the one movie that would top Avengers Endgame as a box office king. There's only one movie that they could do with the comics that would top that. The Room 2? No, you bite your tongue. Justice League Avengers. Uh, Yeah, that that, would do it. That would do it. That's the only movie, unless that... That'd do it. That is the only movie that would top Avengers Endgame. That, That would shatter Avengers Endgame. And put the number at a, at a level so high, I don't think it could be reached. Exactly. That's why I said we'll never see it. No. But when they've done the crossover in the comics, it's worked. And I know that they haven't played ball in a while, even though I guess I can kind of get, well, I don't want to get into spoiler detail from Doomsday Clock. But let's just say this. Between both companies lately, there's been some smoke to that fire idea. I can see him doing something maybe on the animated side. Like if something, you know. God, oh, animated wise, yeah. God forbid something happens down the road. I can see them coming together and going, hey, why don't we work on an animated movie together? Proceeds to benefit whatever. I can see him doing something to that effect. But God, as awesome as it would be to see, you know, DC face off against the Avengers on the big screen, it won't happen. I mean, I it's, I mean, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think it'll happen. I, n- I never like saying never, but I just I can't see a scenario that that happens. I l- I'm already telling you this. If that happens, that will be the gr- biggest grossing movie of all time. Mm-hmm. Don't even at me about it. Like, t- there is no discussion about this. Justice League Avengers would be the number one movie of all time. Oh, yeah. Bar none. Yeah. At, Bar a, none. at a level that, again, you wouldn't reach ever. No, you wouldn't. I don't even think the sequel, because you know they would try booking a sequel after that. Oh, God, yeah. Would, would get even close. No. The first time that happens, if it ever happens on screen, pff, that's it. But that's why I say DC, I don't think, would let that happen, even if it was sold. But I, mm, I, I can't it's, see. It's not going to happen. I, I mean, because I know that Marvel would love to acquire the properties, but there would be so many strings tied in with that that I just I can't see that happening. And I don't really think that a restructuring of the of the comic line is really the the catalyst for causing it to be wholesale. Yeah, no, it's, I, it's not. I just don't. I mean, I know that there's a lot of speculation going on right now. And for the fate of a comic company, like if it did fold, that would be so dramatic. Oh, yeah. That I, like, I don't know how, you, how I would react. I'll be very honest. It, it, the only thing I can say is probably going to happen is your main titles, your main characters, everything's going to stay stat quo. Superman, Batman, Aquaman, mm. Flash, you know, the big heroes, nothing's going to change with them. The only thing I can say might be happening is anything smaller, anything might have been, eh, we don't know how quite sure how this is going to go, that Dan might have given the approval on, Dan might have given the green light on, yeah, go ahead with this. They might, whoever steps in now, and, and Jim Lee is it? Yeah, Jim Lee is going to take Soul. He's taking this over Soul Publisher. You know, they, they, the powers that be might go, well, well hold on, let's pause on this, let's kind of relook at it and see if we actually want to do it. Yeah, well, that's where you're going to have to really figure it out, and, and what do you want to go with? Because that's going to be the question now. With Jim Lee at the helm, I I have faith in what they've done. Because even as a co-publisher, 
Mm-hmm. He's still been involved with with what's going on. So it's not like he's coming in completely cold to the stat quo that's been set up. Maybe there's been a disagreement. I mean, I'm sure there's editorial issues. I mean, you can go through the history yeah. of DC. Yeah. I'm not even going to get into it about how many times they've done like a switch up with writer or artist or direction of a book, you know, under Didito. I mean, that's that's business. Yeah, so that, that stuff happens. happens. I mean, take it or leave it for whatever you want with it. But I think overall that when Lee comes in and is now going to be his ship to run and he has done well enough with what he has been over with DC because DC has a fresh take on comics. And I've said this on the show many times where Marvel had been had evolved into a movie company that does comics until recently. Uh DC has always been a comic book company that does movies. That has been their staple for years. Oh, yeah. So I fully have faith in what they're going to be doing. The only thing with Lee's vision is, okay, how much of the new 5G storyline was his idea or mm-hmm. did he agree with or did it come down to creative differences and Didio had to go? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't want to speculate of how somebody was relieved from their job. I don't know. The only thing I know is the effect is Didio is no longer there. Mm-hmm. With Jim Lee taking the helm, what's going to be the future of the company? Mm-hmm. And I don't know necessarily what to expect. I think it's going to be a lot more of the same, that they're yeah. taking a lot of creative chances, yeah. which as a comic book fan, I love to see. I want to see them take chances. I don't want cookie cutter. I no. don't I don't need it like to flip the coin. I don't need 15 X-Men books telling the same story a month. Yeah, I'd rather have three books of the same character, each telling a different story. So, for example, with Batman, you can do a Batman book. And sure, and you can do detective, and it, it could be sure. two different stories. Sure, appreciate what it is, and let it go from there. And if you want to do a black label book with Batman, then do it. It's the one thing about comics you you have almost creative freedom to an extent. And if you're a full indie, you do. But for the major publishers, doing a side project like that gives you a lot more freedom to do. I think that with Lee's background of being you know working with Marvel, then going to Image and running Wildstorm and then coming to DC, he understands all that. So I, oh, yeah. feel, I feel very confident in that. I mean, even when he's taken a chance and done Heroes Reborn, sure, learn from the mistakes and move on. Because with Heroes Reborn, ah, a lot left to be desired with. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm just going to put yeah. it out there. But overall, with Didio, I think he's going to land on his feet sooner than later. Who knows, he might wind up at Marvel. That could be some crazy... That yeah, wouldn't surprise me. It, it wouldn't surprise me, but it definitely would be interesting what's going to happen. And where the future of DC Comics goes from here, I don't think they're going to be closing up shop. I think no, I, I God, th- no. no. If you think they're closing up shop when Jim freaking Lee is running the company, I don't want to compare him to, say, a Jack Kirby or a Stan Lee, but he's one of, if not the biggest comic book figure of our time. He's definitely one of the most influential. Yeah, I mean, he's he's up there with the Bendises in terms of, like, you know, modern-time comics that, like, casual fans even know the name Jim Lee. Yeah, I just, I just don't see the shop wrapping up. I don't see... It's it's taking the car where the brakes aren't working, and instead of trying to get it to coast to a stop, you're taking a hard right turn and driving it off a cliff. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see where the future goes. But I think that with the structure they have in there and with Lee being the sole face of the company now... A lot of eyes are going to be on what happens to DC from here and how much did Didio steer the ship in comparison with, with Lee's direction. See, that's where it's going to ultimately come down to. But if everything they've done to close out this segment, with everything they've done with DC Rebirth, mm-hmm. 
it's been a step in the right direction. It's been the heroes' stories that we grew up reading and we reconnect with the comics. And for the most part, everything that's come out has really resonated with fans. It got back to basics. It got back to why you go to comic shops and you have that yeah. fandom talk. Yeah. It reinvigorated the line because New 52 was so much of a radical change, it didn't connect. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing to get new readers involved in your books. Sure, I get it. I mean, if you have 80 years of stories, trying to get a kid to buy into how you know Superman crashed here from Krypton might be yeah. a tough sell. It, it's one thing to set up an entirely different universe to tell some different stories or tell some classic stories in a different way in an attempt to get new readers in, a la the Marvel Ultimates universe. Because mm-hmm. I, I am very... You know, I'm, I love the Marvel Ultimates universe, good, bad, and otherwise. It had its moments, but were it not for our Ultimate Spider-Man coming out when it did, and really getting into that to the point where I was going to our the local library and searching every week I went there or every time I went there for the latest trade paperback of, of Ultimate Spider-Man to read that, I don't think I'd be into comics. So it's one thing to set up something an entirely different universe where you want to tell some stories differently or retell some stories in a new way, mm-hmm. it, while keeping the old universe there. That's that's one thing. And and fans are fine with that, you know. Hey, you got the you had your Marvel Ultimate fans, you had your six one six fans. They they coexist. They're fine. It's something else to want to tell some new stories while also throwing out eighty years of history and saying, "Hey, remember those comics you create you collected for like eighty years and read with such love and reverence?" Yeah, they don't mean anything now. Well, that's the one thing you got to remember too. The idea of being involved with all the crisis storylines and then obviously being responsible for new 52 he's also responsible for rebirth too i mean they reacted to the fans reactions so took them a couple of years but yeah it took them a couple of years but this is how you go through and you hear the fans talk and you get that you know the talk back i mean this is why the fans being so vocal about this means something and if you're passionate about your industry you're passionate about those characters get down and support the books because ultimately that's going to be the driving point and the direction that lee is going to take the books now who knows but it's going to be really interesting to watch what happens in the next 12 months. It really is under mm-hmm. his tenureship. Yeah. He's, you got to give him some time because I don't know what's going to be coming out for, as far as the future books and what the 5G event, if that's still going to be something in play, or they're just going to retcon it and go in a different direction. Either way, DC is in a transition phase. Are they closing up shop? Hell no. Mm-hmm. Not right away anyway. No. But we'll have to see whether we are in a year. I mean, are they going to be transitioning into something else? Possibly. We don't know. The only thing we know is they're having a change at the guard. Change can be good. Change can be bad. But we're going to have to sit here and watch and see what happens. So hit us up on that hashtag. Join in the conversation on social media and let us know what you think of the whole Dan Dio situation. We want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo! Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. Let's talk some one shots, shall we? Sure. Uh, we got a joint one first. There's something we got to address. Nothing major, nothing huge. Just some clarification. Yeah, this is a joint one here. Yeah. Uh, as was widely reported yesterday, and I'm sure everyone knows, uh, Disney CEO Robert Iger uh, is 
step down from the company effective immediately. However, he's staying on through the end of the year to help the person taking over and kind of get him acclimated to things uh, because their their job prior to this was just the head of Disney Parks. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit more involved in, in terms of going from running parks to running everything. So Bob, uh, Bob Iger is going to stay there to help him. And a lot of people are shocked at the news, stunned at the news. They couldn't believe it. Uh, you, you might forget, folks, uh, because back in 2019, uh, I've got two articles here, one from the uh, USA Today uh, dated April 11th, 2019. Uh, I'll even give you this published at 949 uh, p.m. Eastern time and was updated a couple days later. Uh, said well, the headline Disney CEO Robert Iger announces 2021 retirement. Uh, the article reads Disney CEO and chairman Robert Iger says he's going to step down from his post when his current contract expires in 2021. Now, obviously it's not 2021, but he decided, Hey, now's a good time to step down. You've got to think of where he took things back in. I believe it was, if I did my research, right. Uh, March of 2005, 2006, okay. one of the two where he took things from Disney. That was a company a little bit in flux at the time, you know, the animation, you know, they're coming off the ba- the back end of their kind of renaissance period, as a lot of folks call it, you know, to where they are now, where they bought Pixar and, and turned it into the, ju- and it's become the juggernaut it is. They purchased Marvel, and now you've got Marvel Studios, who, you know, has made $19 billion at the box office. They purchased Lucasfilm and all the money Lucasfilm has made them and everything they've got going there. You know, and, and down to, you know, kind of cherry on top of the Sunday of, you know, getting... Fox Studios and working out that deal and, and everything going on with there. He's cemented his legacy. He's got nothing left to do. He's got nothing left to set up. You know, so a happy retirement to you, sir. You know, thank you for everything you've done and everything you've helped build. It's a well-deserved retirement. The man, the myth, the legend. Yeah. Iger built a monster mm-hmm. at the House of Mouse. No question about it. For everything he's done there, what else could he have done except buy DC Comics? Fine, we'll start that rumor. Fine, we'll start that rumor. JS, uh, I'm sorry, I can't do it with a straight face. No, but I We're not starting that rumor. That rumor's already out there. No, but we're going to put some more gas on that fire. I just, I, to say what Iger has done, is try. it's very hard to capitalize, just the impact mm-hmm. he's done. Yeah. He's revolutionized the way, whether you love it or hate it, of how Disney has influenced everything at the box office on mm-hmm. tv yeah just their influence is huge now and just the the moves they've done getting marvel comics under their banner mm-hmm. getting star wars under their banner let alone pixar and everything else coming yeah. with it you have to give him his due yeah. he's definitely done it all i mean there's nothing left no there's, there's really not i mean it's going out on a high note a swan song if you will so like i said happy uh retirement to you absolutely man uh, switching over to my one shots, I got to give a little bit of a rest in peace, a little thoughtful condolences. Uh, Ken, if I say up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, what does that mean to you? Contra. Uh-huh. Uh, we have some unfortunate news. Uh, Kazuhisha Hashimoto, uh, who is credit a producer credited with uh, implementing the fabled Konami code uh, that gave you godlike powers in, in games like Contra, Gradius, Castlevania, and other Konami games. You know, for the the, the NES, uh, passed away uh, this past week uh, on Tuesday. He was 61 years old. Even if you don't know the man's name, you know the code. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, start. Like That was the big thing with Konami. It's a big thing in video games. It, it, it's something that every video game player on some level, whether you're a hardcore, diehard gamer, or you're just a casual, you, you float in every now and then, you know what the Konami code is. It is incredible to see the impact that that code has had yeah. in video games. I will break this down. When I started playing video games, 
That was the code. Mm-hmm. And Contra, that gave you 30 extra lives. And if you oh, ever yeah. played that game, that is some old school 80s madness right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that code still resonates. I mean, Up, Up, Down, Down is the name of Xavier Woods, uh, an internet show. Yeah. Where do you think it comes from? I mean, it's just incredible to see how that code is taking a life of its yeah. own. And, and definitely your condolences to his family and friends. And, mm-hmm. I mean, just the legacies left there Yeah, with Konami is incredible. Switching to some Star Wars news, we finally found out what Project Luminous was. Uh, this was the long-rumored, long-teased uh, pr- upcoming project from the folks at Star Wars. We weren't sure what it was going to be. Is it some new video game? Is it some new movie? Is it a new TV series? Well, it's none of those things. Uh, it is an upcoming, I don't even know what you want to call this thing, because this is unlike anything they've ever done. And I'm even referring to Legends, mm-hmm. you know, the stuff that's not canon. Uh, what Project Luminous is, is uh, officially titled Star Wars The High Republic. Uh, and this is according to StarWars.com. Uh, quote, uh, it will be set in an era when the Galactic Republic and the Jedi Order are at their zenith, about 200 years before the events of Star Wars The Phantom Menace. The period on the Star Wars timeline will not, uh, excuse me, this period on the Star Wars timeline will not overlap any of the filmed features or series currently planned for for production, giving creators and partners a vast amount of room to tell Star Wars stories with new adventures and original characters. So this is something coming from very some very this is a, this is unheard of that you're getting uh, this is getting done by uh, Disney Lucasfilm Press, Delray, Marvel, IDW, Titan Magazines, Abrams, B and M Books, Viz Media. DK books, Insight Editions are all working on this. You know, that it, it, the only way I can describe it is it almost feels like the Marvel, you know, phase method because there's a set of books coming out. Uh, the first one is being written by Charles Soule. Of course, yeah. yes, the very famed comic writer uh, coming out August 25th. The first book is coming out. Everything's going to tie together. Everything's going to have an influence on here. I have no idea what's going to go on with this. All we know is that it's, you know, the Jedi are at their zenith uh, during the press conference, whatever you want to call it, they had for this uh, back on Monday night as we record. You know, this was they, the Jedi were described as kind of the Jedi of the round table. The, the Jedi are at their their height. It's a real peaceful time. This is the Jedi as you want would want to see them. And kind of the posing question when they had this big writer summit back in 2018 at Skywalker Ranch was, what scares the Jedi? And with some of the writers in such another room, that got them real excited. So it's going to spin off of that. It's going to be real interesting to see uh, from what the video on the Star Wars YouTube channel says, you know, the big villain or one of the villains in this is going to be, uh, I believe they called it the Nile. Okay. Uh, they're described as kind of space Vikings. You know, they have okay. a, they have a phrase that you can't take it with you but we can take it from you. So I'm definitely very interested to see where they go with this. This is unlike anything they've ever done before. And it's in a time period that they ever, that with the new canon they haven't touched. And I had to do some digging because I couldn't remember the Legends timeline all that well. Legends in the old books, the, you know, prior to, um, excuse me, uh, you know, the, the books and the movies and all that, they only ever really got like a thousand years before. Mm-hmm. Which again was the Darth Bane series, which is it's a good read. I you know I would recommend it if you're a Star Wars fan. You know, find it at your local library or even out at Barnes and Noble. I know I still see copies when I go to Barnes and Noble every now and then. But that was like a thousand years before, so this is two hundred years before you know uh, the the events of the Phantom Menace. So doing some very easy math in my head, there's a certain Jedi that you know from the films that's alive during that time period. Jar Jar? No, he's not a Jedi. Uh, one Yoda. 
Okay. Yoda's alive during this time, so who's to say we might see Yoda, a young Yoda, uh, turn up in this series? Who's to say? But it's going to be very interesting to see and definitely something to keep an eye on when it starts in August. Because, like I said, this is unlike anything they've ever done. I know in, in the past, the only kind of... They started teasing it towards the end of Legends, where... You know, they were they had the comic line going with Dark Horse where it was set, I want to say, 60 years after the original movie, you know, A New Hope. And you had a bunch of Sith in that story. And in the books they were writing at the time that were set, uh, I forget. how. No, no, the excuse me. The comic was 120 years after the original movie. And then the books were 60 years uh, after the original uh, movie. And they and, and so you had the bunch of boatload of Sith in the comic that were kind of running things. And then in the books, they were starting to tease that. And they were kind of starting to drop hints that, hey, there's something going on here. But like nobody really paid attention to it or because there was so much going on. Nobody really saw a mention of it. You know, I remember there was a book in the Fate of the Jedi book series where they directly referenced an episode of Clone Wars. Okay. Which had never happened before with anything else, you know. So there have been inklings of it, but nothing to this degree. So I'm very excited for it and can't wait to see where they go with this. It should be interesting. I mean, just the amount of talent they got involved with the books and, and to yeah. go in some uncharted water, I think, is always great for Star Wars. Yeah, and the level of prep they're doing for this is insane. It's like the level of prep they're putting in for this whole you know, I don't even know what to call it. Venture is like you would see with the pre-production on a movie. They brought in Ian McCraig to do some sketch art, concept art for Jedi. For those of you who don't know who he is, he designed Darth Maul. Yeah. Like they're bringing in. That's huge. They're bringing in actual concept artists to do work for a book series and well, comics too, but still it's insane. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy to see what they're doing for this, but I think it's a nice refresher. Yeah. And I think that it's going to be a fun, fun series when it comes out. Oh, yeah. And who knows? I mean, it could always wind up on Disney+. Plus. We That's never very true. know because, you know, the mouse is ruling everything. Mm-hmm. So be very exciting to see. And like I say, Charles Soule is absolutely killing oh, yeah. Star Wars books now. Oh, yeah. So, in fact, I saw him pop up on the video as Pad was talking. I'm sold. I'm yeah, no, it's, it's going to be great. And it's set in a time period where, like we've said with other things in prequels, you're, it's kind of hard to do prequels because your, hand t- your hands are tied. you got to get to a certain point. This is so far in the past that you really don't got to worry about that. And they've not touched this with the new canon. Yeah, so wait and see on that. But definitely mm-hmm. definitely some exciting stuff coming down the Star Wars pike. So for my one shots. He didn't have anything until I told him about this. No, I was just going to be basically going through what's coming out of the shops because I, I will follow up with that in a second. But Pat has hit me with a curveball, <laughs> like if I was wearing a Houston Asterix jersey. Ugh. Pad, why don't you just introduce this, and then I will just give my reaction. So I was scrolling through IGN, looking at what was going on in the news. I was also looking for their article on the Konami Code, but I couldn't find it. And I scrolled past uh, this article. Possible spoilers, so we'll give you a fair warning here. Uh, Potential spoilers if you're picking up the latest issue of the Avengers, uh, issue 31 on Comic Stands this week. Uh, Jump ahead a couple minutes if you want to avoid spoilers for this. Yeah, I'm especially Brian from Cheers to Comics. If you have not read Avengers 31, skip it. Skip it right now. I'm going to DM you because I don't want to ruin this for you because he is one of the biggest Iron Man fans I know. Mm -hmm. So, Bri, I'm just giving you a heads up. Pause the episode right now if you haven't read 31 yet. Yeah. All right, Pad. Uh, so, 
Tony Stark has a very convoluted family history, to say the very least. Uh, back in 2013, uh, he first discovered he was in a Iron Man issue number 17. He discovered his uh, was adopted. Uh, and then uh, his adoptive brother, Arno, is the biological son of Howard and Maria Stark. But the Starks adopted Tony as a cover after Arno's uh, health deteriorated as an infant. Uh, then the identities of Tony's biological parents uh we're kind of kept in mystery for a couple more years. And then in 2016, uh, international Iron Man number five, they introduced, uh, Tony's birth mother, who was uh, British radio DJ, Amanda Armstrong. Uh, and then issue number five revealed the identity of his father as a shield agent code named Jude. Jude turned out to be a hydra mole, of course, and then forcing Amanda to kill him in self-defense and give up her baby for adoption. Uh, now they're getting even more complicated with things. Yeah. This is all from IGN. This is all from IGN. So, in the issue, Tony gets dragged back to the year 1000 BC after he discovers a million-year-old Iron Man helmet buried in a cave, uh, and he then meets Odin's team of prehistoric Avengers. Uh, they refuse to help him, and then he has to defend himself against oncoming conflicts, all the meanwhile trying to keep his suit working because, hey, modern technology doesn't exactly work all that well when you're a, th- a million in a one million BC. So... Uh, as he fights to stay alive, he flashes back to a child memory of his childhood, remembering a time where, you know, he uh, stumbles across his father, Howard, uh, overseeing some sort of satanic ritual. And, you know, I am after uh, quote, after forging a crude Iron Man armor from ice and leftover scraps, Tony is confronted by more talking snakes and Howard Stark himself again, clad in satanic robes. Following a brief battle, Howard reveals himself to be none other than the demon Lord Mephisto. All right. You want me to jump in here? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, get the b- out of here. No, 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 no. All right, all right continue. Continue. All right. So the article goes on. Uh, Mephisto quote: Mephisto again implies he's Tony's true father, and that the real Howard sold his son soul long ago. Tony refuses to refuses the offer to become Mephisto's devil in iron. Instead, he realizes Mephisto is carrying the time stone and blasts it with his gauntlet, sparking a reaction that drags him forward through time. Uh, Tony immediately travels to Las Vegas to confirm the present day Mephisto is still imprisoned and to let the demon Lord know he failed in his efforts to lure Iron Man to the dark side. Mephisto, however, is pleased with how his his plot is unfolding. He's sown the seeds of doubt in Iron Man's mind and has a secret weapon, his faithful servant Howard Stark. Howard in the panel says, no one knows my boy like I do how to build him and how to break him. Uh, And then Mephisto says, yes, let's hear more about that, my dear Howard. Howard says, Yes, Master, I am yours to command. All hail, Mephisto. Okay, so, thoughts. No. (laughs) No, no, no. GTFO, no. All right. Tony Stark's parentage... I don't know why yeah, they. Messy. I don't know why they started tinkering with it. I know Bendis did it for the adoption storyline and just how awkward that was. I I don't know. Like it didn't need to be messed with like that. That we've now suddenly separated from Howard and Maria Stark, and you know the story with Arno, and I know they're pushing that now in Iron Man twenty twenty. Okay, anytime you involve Mephisto, it's never good. Into a moment in a character's situation and you're basically trying to say you're retconning this in some variation. No. Have we not learned from Spider-Man omit? Mm -hmm. Have we not seen the error and egregious mistake that was? So if they're trying to say that this is going to be introduced into the Iron Man (coughs) storyline... 
Um, get out of here. I, I, I struggle with this because I, I, I really like Jason Aaron's writing. I'm hoping that this is just a big, big, you know, illusion. Mm-hmm. And this is not anything, you know, for permanent, you know, canon. I, I just, I, I struggle with this because there's just no rhyme or reason. And if you're really trying to say that Mephisto is Tony's real dad or whatever they're trying to say with this, because like now I'm reading the article pad as off from IGN. Uh, no, like get the f- get out of here. Cause, cause what are you going to try saying that the birth parents were really the birth parents? You're going to do some weird vision and Scarlet witch thing. I, I'm sorry. Like, no, I'm just not buying this. This just looks really, really whack to me. I, I cannot condone. Like I'm not, a I'm reading through the comments on the IGN article. Uh, people are not happy uh, to quote one person quote. Oh, fuck off. Yeah. That's kind of my reaction to this. I'm sorry. Like, there's just no like I I under like I, I trust Aaron's writing enough that maybe this will be something. Oh, here's one I believe. Uh, somebody commented, "Quote: Iron Man's real father is either Darth Vader or or Ozzy Osbourne." Yeah, I, I believe that. Like it, it just doesn't make sense. Like I understand that they want to do the big switch up and say he was adopted. Sure, retcon that if you want. <laughs> It ties in with the MCU. Okay, sure. I get that. I'm not. Here's a couple of rules uh, Tony should remember. Rule one uh, of dealing with Mephisto. Never believe a thing he says or do anything he wants. Rule number two. Don't sell him a soul or your marriage. Rule three. Stop reading this and just punch him in the face. Yeah. That's all you need to do. Point blank. Bravo <laughs> to you, sir or ma'am or whoever wrote that comment. Uh, that, was, that was user uh, Kaiju King 93 Well said. Well said. I, I fully condone it. I'm sorry. Like, if you have not learned from the mistake that Omit was and that hot garbage ending of retconning Spider-Man and Mary Jane's marriage because for some reason people being married in comics is a weird concept. Mm-hmm. Out of here with that thing. And then, I'm sorry, if you're if this sticks and is supposed to be Tony's real, like, so where do you, where are you going to say Howard Stark is Mephisto now? Are we going to just do that and just call it a day? Like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't Talk know. Talk about playing the long game. Yeah, I mean, what the fuck? Although for Mephisto, is it the long game or is it just a couple seconds? I mean, who the hell knows? I just I I, I just am not on board with this. Like when you when you showed me this, I'm like, are you freaking kidding? Like, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I I can understand if you want to do something where he's playing around with people and yeah. you know, toying with that. I okay, sure. Get that, get it, it's Mephisto to the letter. If you're gonna try retconning Tony's parents yeah. and say something with that, like I just hope this is a one and done and we go back to whatever the stat quo is or something in that variation because I'm sorry. That, I, I'm just having flashbacks of Omit. I hate that storyline. I hate that they would decide to wreck on that marriage and how they did it because it was stupid and how it's never been really repaired. It, okay, I could just go on a full rant. I'm just going to stop now. No, no, thumbs down to that issue. Not supporting that one. Not. Somebody tell me about the trade paperback. I don't want to even read into that. Let me give some good recommendations for the comics shops this week. Shall I, Pat? Sure. Okay, so the DC book of the week that has got the most hype going around it is a book called Fear of the Villain, Hell Arisen. Okay. Now, if you've been following the storyline, it's been uh, you know an absolutely crazy storyline coming out from DC that they've been kind of tying in with Justice League and the, and the Snyder run there and just how absolutely crazy everything's getting there. Everything has just gone absolutely crazy. 
So this storyline is going to be, or this issue rather, is the first appearance of one punchline, the first real appearance. Right. That this is supposed to be the next heir apparent Joker uh, femme fatale, mm-hmm. in, you know, the replacement for Harley Quinn, basically. Uh, the internet and fandom has really exploded about this. Yeah. I've been hearing a lot of reports of people going down there buying out the issues before the readers can get it because they want to flip it and sell it. Um, you know, kind of mixed emotions about that is the comics and you know, when you have the chance to get a character such as Punchline, which they're they're putting so much stock in, mm-hmm. this is almost forcing DC's hand to run with the character. I mean, I don't know what Titan's plan was, but yeah, you really don't have a choice at this stage. Uh, this issue is going to be the biggest one to search on the net for a while. Uh, variants, Pat talked about last week, have been going through the roof. So I've been trying to get some comic opinions from some of our fellow fans. And Ron from 3 Fat Nerds Podcast, okay. shout out to Ron. Uh, we need to get him on the show, by the way, too, at okay. some point. I'm putting that out there. Uh, he's arguably one of the bigger uh, comic fans over from 3FN. I know Rich is a big Batman guy. Diesel is Diesel. Um, not, he is, he, they all read comics, so it's, it's just kind of like whatever their super fandom is. But Ron is a very big DC guy. That's sure. the point going with this. Um, and I asked Ron about this, You know what his take about you know Punchline was and – and he has a very interesting take. He has a very interesting DC Comics take on characters. So if you really want to deep dive into it, I'm going to say hit up at 3 Fat Nerds Pod on Twitter and shoot some messages to Ron about what's his take on certain DC characters. He's got tons of them for days. All of them are really good, too. And I asked him about this, and he said, simply put, Punchline needs to be like X-23, but as mad as crazy as the Joker. So you Not can a bad t- idea. Yeah, so you can take it how he wants to be. He's like, it has to be more crazy than the Joker. Like... And I fully agree with that. You really need to make this character stand out. I think it's a brilliant take on it. I don't know what the overall end game is going to be with this. Right. So take it for what it is. Um, but I'm excited to see where this character goes. And if it's a flash in the pan, I mean, DC's making a quick buck off this. So mm-hmm. can't be can't be mad about that, too. No. I know you're definitely into Action Comics yeah. 1020 yeah. this week. Yeah, Action Comics 1020, uh, where the preview is, quote, The alliance between Leviathan and the Legion of Doom has fractured, and all hell breaks loose. The Justice League and Young Justice guest star as the year of the villain hits a powerful note. Metropolis won't be the same after this massive battle for the future of the world. So it uh, it's hard to say, but, you know, Brian Michael Bendis retweeted a couple... Uh, pages from the issue last night uh one of which is superman kind of landing in front of the hall of justice telling the wonder twins to put the hall of justice in lockdown protocol now and he's not kidding uh and then you have another panel where it looks like it's luthor along with sinestro and then leviathan all hitting superman with some sort of beam before teleporting him across the galaxy so it looks like this is going to be a knockdown drag out fight that's going to be incredible yeah it looks very very cool so definitely check that out for the dc side marvel side um, we already talked about Avengers. Take it or squeeze it. I did, you know, however you want to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Like I'm, I'm making my fist. That's why I'm squeezing right now and shaking because I'm just like freshly squeezed, freshly squeezed. Uh, that reminds oh. me, AEW just tonight oh, and AEW Revolutions this weekend. But getting to the comics though, uh, strong, strong X book week for Marvel. X Force Eight is out. X Men Seven is out. I've been getting some messages that there's some really weird stuff going on with that book. So I don't know what Hickman's doing there. And I'm seeing the cover for the X-Men Fantastic Four crossover number two. Okay. Uh, Doom is standing in Kuroka. Oh, oh. So oh my. you have my attention now. A lot of good stuff to pick up at the comic shop. So if you need some recommendations, let me just say go to our Facebook page. We have Justin on there. 
from Sound Go Round. He, you know he gives you the picks of the week. Every time, every Wednesday, we post that at Sound Go Round. So if you live in locally, if not, you need to check out Cheers to Comics. Brian does an amazing job with the Wednesday Poll. Shout out to the Wednesday Poll podcast, too. And shout out to Two Man Comic Book Club, too. A lot of good podcasts talking comics. So you definitely need to check it out. And I have to give a very, 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 very special shout out to Ghost of the Stratosphere. Two-year anniversary doing comics on their podcast and so much more. So shout out to those guys. They do an awesome pod. So definitely go check it out. So the music you heard on this episode is that of Shout at the Robots. They're amazing people. They just did a great show last week with a very special episode in Water Bears at Galaxy Brewing. So they have a lot of great music you need to go find. And where do you find that, Pad? Uh, where? OchoDuroParleyHour.com slash music. You can check out all, everything going on with S-A-T-R. You can check out Fair City Fire. They're our friends from Austin, Texas. You can check out Floodlands, who are playing a show this Friday night at Galaxy which is going to be a very, very loud show. So definitely come prepared to get your face ripped off because Jimmy Gazik is promising to bring some thunder to the base. I'm just saying, Jimmy, whatever you do, don't hit me with a chair and we'll call it even. So, Because, you know, Jimmy loves his pro wrestling. Shout out, to, true. shout out to Jimmy. And shout out to Tom. Shout out to Jace. Shout out to Billy. Shout out to everybody down there. So it's going to be a fun time, but you can find out all of, you need to know about Floodlands when you go to ochodoropolyar.com slash music. You can check out Walking Distance, Second Suitor. Tom Jolu is going to be on the show pretty soon. Just got back from Second Suitor's tour. So stay tuned for that. So much more you can check out on ODPH's webpage. You can go to the ODPH directory. Check out Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming, which Pad, he has said, he wants us to come swing by. All right. So we might have to. But Tom is also due back on the podcast sooner than later, too. So we're going to work that date out very, very shortly. You can also check out Excite Wrestling, which Johnny Moose has got a lot of things planned coming. Oh, boy. So you know when Moose is scheming stuff. It's always, always a fun time. So maybe we'll get him on the show and he can kind of break down what's going on. Or he's going to be on the wrestling show on the Three Fat Nerds podcast, which also you can find on the ODPH directory. You can check out everything going on with 3FN. Shout out to Rich. Shout out to Ron. And shout out to hashtag Big Natty Cool. Hashtag Challenge Accepted. The one and only Diesel. Which I said, I'm not sure what Diesel is reading right now for comics. So I said Diesel is Diesel because Diesel is working on more content for Love is Scary. Oh, good Lord. What is behind the paywall, you ask? That show, which is surely podcast gold. Hashtag podcast gold. That is what you need to give $1 a month to get in the door, $3 to get a comfy chair at the table to hear everything that's going on with the 8122 Productions Network. And also on ODPH, a.k.a. the OchoDoraParleyHour.com, you can check out all the links to our social media accounts, which we definitely, definitely, definitely want to interact with you. Parlay Points, our complimentary blog section, and you can find links to our great podcasting groups that we are in. So shout out to Hashtag 607 Podcast, shout out to Pod Nation, and shout out to Next Wave. All that on OchoDoroParleyHour.com. Pad, that is all I got for this week. So for you, my friend, my co-host, the one and only Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. (laughs) 